What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. This is episode number 120. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts. And joining me, as per usual, Ben Fisher. What's up, dude? Not too much. I went pie shopping today in preparation for Unfinity. And <laughs> if that doesn't explain the set, then I really don't know what it does. Yeah, when your best prep for a new format is to go buy confectionaries, I think we're, uh, <laughs> we're aiming for a good set here. Oh, I love it. It's so stupid, but it's so fun. And we're going to try to spike it a little bit, maybe? Sort of, kind of. We'll get into that before we do, of course, our usual housekeeping. If you're not already in the Discord, check that out. It's the best place to be to chat with us, to chat with the rest of the Traficionado community, to brag about your trophy decks, and just discuss pick orders and any anything relating to a, a given set or format. The link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. Huge thanks to all of our patrons who continue to support us each and every week. We are beyond grateful for all of you. And some of you might have noticed I picked back up on getting all the uh, content uploaded there. So nice. Start to see that rolling out again. You're not uh, I'm, I'm trying not to bombard everybody with it. So it's it's on a <laughs> scheduled rollout to get caught up. But uh, perks of that include things like our Draft Doctor series, stickers, show notes, unedited. Well, now our pre-show show and our Draft Chef Hero cards sent right to you and and right now, our our draft chap hero is Wingmantle Chaplin. So again, you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash draft chap pod. All right, on to our cracker draft type thing. This is Midnight Hunt, Ben. Well, pack one, pick one, it looks like. Why don't you uh, zoom us right through it? Oh, yeah. I was so excited to see that Midnight Hunt was back. Uh, we've seen some discussions in Discord recently about how, you know, th- this is a great set, Dominar United, but... You know, every set has its limits. Some people are getting a little, little sick of it, little, um, I don't know, a little tilted by the occasional domain pile that just really grinds them into the dust. So uh, I highly recommend Midnight Hunt. I know it's imbalanced. It's really fun, <laughs> especially in Quick Draft and especially when you're good at the white cards. If you know how to make a white deck tick in Midnight Hunt, you can have so much fun. Uh, at least me as a just white weenies <laughs> apologist. Anyway, uh, first out of this pack, we got Silver Bolt, the Werewolf Hoser. Uh, it's fine removal spell, but you tend not to play it if you don't have to. Shadow Beast Sighting, I'm pretty sure this is the best green common, and that's not saying much because really the better decks in the format make a 4-4 token look like a joke. Search Party Captain, this card is awesome. I would probably say that I've cast more Search Party Captains for one mana than the average magic player i would probably say i'm in the top 10 percent of people that have cast them for one mana (laughs) Uh, i love a good search party captain this is a a, like a like fourth to seventh pick uh i should mention was it was it was last year that i went on an absurd tear through midnight hunt um that was about this time last year i think it was about a year ago yeah i think i was pushing like 70 percent game win percentage if i remember right but i i love midnight hunt man uh next up pax betrayal don't even look at it it's useless uh novice occultist this has a nice home in black white uh if you can you know get some like decent sack stuff still it's it's mostly just mediocre this isn't really a splashing set but jack-o-lantern one of the more flavorful cards in the set and the pack oh i gotta dig out some i must have a jack-o-lantern or two in my bulk i gotta put those out for halloween decor <laughs> Um, occasionally you'll be playing like a blue white deck or something and you'll open a Lisa and you'll be like, okay, now I want a jack-o'-lantern so that I can kind of just seamlessly splash this. And it is graveyard hate and it does cycle itself. And those are all things that you want to do. Next up is Geist Wave. I, I got so surprised. I saw something that I'd never seen before in this format, which that takes a lot. Uh, some, some opponent was playing blue red and they had, it's not, 
some art electromancer thing. It's it's the uh, the four mana two one red creature. ETBs returns an instant or sorcery from graveyard to hand. They were looping it with Geist Wave. That's uh, cool. Yeah, and they had a uh, I think it's like electrostatic tower or whatever the the three mana artifact is that uh, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, it gets a charge counter, and then you can remove them to exile the top or to uh, deal damage or tap it to exile cards from the top. Uh, yeah, just really really disgusting combo. I did yeah, kill that's them. A cool engine. <laughs> I killed them anyway with a bunch of festival crashers, but it was still really cool to see. Next up, Gale Drifter, a solid spirit, uh, a solid, I guess, blue, black or blue, white flyer. But it's a four drop and you probably want one of these at most. Next up, Burn the Accursed, five mana removal. It's mostly too slow unless you're playing a super aggressive white, red, white deck and you don't really have anything else for your top end. Then you can play one of these to remove their, I don't know, their three, four, their four, four, and you're, you're fine with it. Bat Whisperer is up next. This is kind of a failed plant in like what could have been the Vampire's deck, the ones that care about if your opponent lost life this term. It's a nice little card. Uh, it makes two bodies. One of them is a flyer. It's fine in the black-white decks, but again, it's a four drop, and I play this format like as many twos as I can get. That's all for our commons. Currently, I'm slamming Surge Party Captain. Not yeah, even the second likewise. Look. There is an inherent card advantage um, in Disturb with the Gale Drifter. That's up there, too. And there's other a lot of uh, inherent card advantage here, something like a, the Occultist. And Silverbolt is removal, but I just love Search Party Captain too much. Our first uncommon out is Field of Ruin. Not really doing anything in Limited. Diagraph Rebirth, fun little card, but Black Green isn't really where you want to be. It's a little too slow for this format. The tempo and the aggro decks will just absolutely hose you. And there's a Baneblade Scoundrel. Uh, this is the four mana, four, three werewolf. And whenever it gets blocked, the creature's blocking get minus one, minus one. Is that flanking or banding or something? I think that's that's something else. I, I don't know what I'm thinking of. Horsemanship? No, that's another one. Uh, anyway, this card is junk. Don't play it. <laughs> Unless you're in like uh, a really specific, I guess you'd have to be in black and care about day and night. Sometimes black red cares about day and night, but you tend not to want this. And then the whole pack is irrelevant because there's a meat hook massacre in this pack. And you bet I slammed that thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, you open this. I literally would not have even looked at the rest of the pack, which is me being a bad drafter. I should at least <laughs> see what I'm going to wheel. But I would just slam, click this, double click this and move on with the draft because there is nothing even close to Meat Hook Massacre in this pack. Yeah, I will say it tends not to matter too much for Arena. But when when one card in the pack is worth not only the monetary value of the rest of the cards combined, but it's worth about like 60 or $70 more than the rest of the cards combined. It's usually a good hint that it's like a pretty solid card and probably pretty good limited. Meat Hook is just absurd. Uh, I'm 3-0 with this deck currently, in big part to the Meat Hook Massacre. On to our Teferi Tibble. This is our Roses and Thorns style segment where Ben and I share a high and a low from the past week. So, uh, I guess I'll kick it off. My Teferi this week is that I signed for a new apartment. Oh, uh, that I didn't know this. Will, nice. Yeah, that will make more sense in a moment, but um, those... Long story short, my lease is coming up. I didn't want to stay in the apartment I'm in now, so I, I'm moving and I did sign for another place, which is great. Nice. It means I have to move, which is not so great, but um, I'll figure that out. And then, of course, my other fairy is that we're about to play the wackiest set to ever grace the multiverse, <laughs> and I'm very excited for it. My Tybalt this week is that apartment hunting sucked so badly. Oh, yeah. uh, so... I'm, I'm for the listener, Ben, I know you know this, but for the listener, I live just outside of New York city on the New Jersey side. And even though I'm in New Jersey, I'm close enough that we still have like New York city pricing leaking over to us. Mm-hmm. And so not only are apartments extremely expensive, but because it's like, no, it's like the October, November era, like time frame. nobody really wants to move. So there aren't very many apartments available and the apartments yeah. that are available are getting it like 
I got into a bidding war over a rental. Jeez. Not even like a house <laughs> that I'm trying to buy. Just like a, just to rent the wow. unit. That, um, I mean, for the, for the listener that might be not from this area, uh, the Hoboken, Jersey city area, it's known as like pretty much the most expensive rent in like the country. Uh, and a, a, like a single bedroom apartment could be anywhere from like a thousand to 2,500 a month. Sometimes oh, more cheap. if you're going. That's, for that's like, cheap right now. The places yeah. I was looking at, if you want like anything remotely in terms of like amenities, for instance, I gave you an example for where I'm in right now, the apartment I'm in right now, less than 500 square feet, no dishwasher, <laughs> no air conditioning, yeah. no laundry. Yeah. 2,500 a month. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so that is nuts. That, that kind of puts it into perspective. And I rented this out 15 months ago. So prices have gone up of quite course a bit since have. then. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's not great, but, uh, you know, I did find a place and I'm happy about that, but that was the biggest, the biggest trouble with the apartment hunt was that a, everybody was fighting over each other to get into units and then b half the units I wanted to look at, I would like call them and say like, you know, get me a tour. I'd schedule something. And then like two hours before the tour, they'd call me and be like, Hey, it, it got rented. Jeez. So yeah. it was difficult, but I did get something, which is awesome. Also a second Tibble. How the heck am I supposed to draft like a real deck in this set? I don't, I'm um, really nervous. I'm just going to have a bunch of cards that don't do anything together. <laughs> if I could offer you some advice, just open a pack one, pick one Shockland, and then don't care about anything yeah, else. Yeah, that's, that's fair. To be honest, I'm not expecting to walk away with any value. I'm, I'm seeing this is like just like fully sunk. And then uh, if I happen to walk away with any, any like value cards from it, some of these cards are extended playable. I don't know. Maybe a, a, an attraction is going to pop off in vintage or something. I'll admit I did look at mtgstocks.com to see what the values of the cards are right now before release. Yeah. And pretty much all the shocks are like 30 plus the borderless, uh, mm. beautiful, They're gorgeous. gorgeous. Yeah. Shocklands. They're all like 30 plus. There are a handful of other rares that are in like the 10, nine to $10 range. And mm. then everything else right now is pretty much worthless. Um, that said, I'm not even worried about winning games. I just want to be able to draft a deck that I can play. <laughs> like, yeah, I actually yeah. have a cohesive deck that works in Magic. Well, maybe by the end of this show, you'll have some better ideas. Because be. I, I, th- there is actually a bit of real design to this set. I know it's like an unset; it's a joke set, but you know, I, there's probably a few spikes <laughs> listening. Uh, <laughs> th- th- there's ways to actually, you know, draft decks. Absolutely, and we'll get to that. But first, Ben, you're Teferi Tibble, right? So. Um, it's been a long time, but I finally got a second monitor. I had one for ages. And then when I moved uh, this this past summer, I, I had to donate my old one uh, because I, I upgraded my PC at the same time and I no longer had the right inputs. Um, and rather than set up like a whole s- a chain of like wacky adapters, I was like this, this thing, I've had this guy for like six years or so, like it's, it's time for an upgrade. And uh I just kind of forgot for a long time. It was like the beginning of the school year. It was the summer. I wasn't around much. Uh, finally, though, I've got my second monitor. And it, you know, it was just such a treat getting to draft during our uh, our pre-show conversation. <laughs> and also have the show notes up and, and the, the show up. And I was drafting and winning a game of Midnight Hunt. Man, what, what, a, what a nice evening. Anyway, my, uh, my tibble is that it was a bit of a rough day at school. <sighs> just some, some students, you know, they... Uh, Sometimes uh, students are awesome. You know, they, they blow your mind. They, they're like the sweetest people. They, they bring you nice stuff. They, they say kind words. And sometimes they bring a habano, a habanero pepper to school and uh, dare their friends to touch it and then rub their eyes to see who can not cry 
the the best, I guess. <laughs> and uh, obviously, that was a bit disruptive in my class when I was trying to do a little like lab activity, and then a bunch of them run to the nearby sinks and start throwing water in their eyes, and I'm like, like what is happening? <laughs> so uh, yeah. yeah, that that was a bit rough. You teachers out there, you know what it's like. I'm sure you all have stories that are as nuts as this, as do I. All right, on to our main topic this week. It's an onset. We're it's gonna un- we're it's Unfinity. We're gonna talk about it, and we are uh, gonna actually dive into the mechanics. We're gonna talk about some of the different cards. Not gonna go too deep on all of the cards because there's a lot of wackiness going on. Better off just looking at Magic Spoiler and uh, figuring that out for yourselves. And don't forget, today's show is to Unfinity and beyond. There were some universes beyond stuff spoiled, and we'll talk about that a bit at the end. Perfect. So if you haven't actually noticed unfinity is one of the unsets which is a series of magic sets that come out periodically that are just super wacky and they don't follow any traditional magic des- set design schemas or anything like that unfinity is uh i guess kind of shorthand notation for unset infinity and it's about space it's about clowns it's about robots robots it's about amusement amusement park rides carnival games essentially the set is, f- is focused on this multiversal amusement park in the middle of space somewhere that people just come to for like <laughs> car- yeah carnival stuff and it's super meta like it's very aware of itself and there are like a ton of inside jokes for about about magic that like old time players are going to absolutely love the goal is basically just going to be like how much fun can you have what stories can you come away with don't go into this trying to spike like in terms of prizes because mm-hmm. i think that's just like taking a lot of the fun out of what the set is supposed to be and also open a shock lander too. That would be <laughs> yeah. Um, also just to, to kind of segue into some of the other stuff that we're going to be talking about, we're going to actually record our sign off tonight from the event itself. So we're doing part of the show. This is the first time we're doing something like this, but we're doing part of the show in our usual recording setting. And then we're going to do the latter bit of the show in person at the event. Uh, and hopefully we'll have a bunch of really wacky things to tell you guys about. Hopefully I will have gotten to eat some of these pies that I have sitting in ready to go in my magic bag. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, I'm going to be keeping eyes on you the whole time just to see if you're <laughs> chowing down or not. Yeah. Um, hopefully you get to actually go see this yourselves. It's, I know I was surprised about this too when I, when I first learned it, but for pre-release, it's actually a draft, not a, not a sealed event. So, um, you know, if you're usually, you usually stay away from pre-release because it's sealed, give this one a go. It's draft and it's going to be super, super wacky. So, um, it's also just like a, one of one of a kind experience. Like they're not oh, going yeah, to print definitely. this set ever again. You're not going to be able to play this once it stops being printed, get out there and play it while you can. Cause it's, it's going to be a good time. Also, while most of these cards are not tournament legal in almost any format, there are some that are legal in extended formats like EDH legacy and vintage. They have like notations on them to determine which are which. And so cards that have like the usual hollow sticker at the very bottom in the center uh, are are cards that are legal in real formats. Um, again, only the extended ones, EDH, Legacy, Vintage. Um, the ones that are not legal have, uh, they, they just stopped doing the silver borders. So if you're used to old unsets, they used to have like silver borders on the cards to show that they were not legal in, in tournament settings. They didn't do that this time around. Instead, that hollow symbol on these cards is now an acorn. <laughs> Instead yeah. of like the usual oval thing, which is a little weird. It's a lot less obvious which ones are legal and which aren't. You really have to look for it. I don't play any of those formats besides EDH, and I'm probably not going to put any of these cards in my EDH decks anyway, but it's something to keep in mind if you're looking for cards that will be extended playable. There might be a few cards for your chaos deck in here. There's there's some chaos. That's in probably set. true. Yeah. 
I don't really understand why they made this change. I mean, silver border has such a fun connotation to it. It's like, well, this thing is wacky. It's a little different than black border, a little different than white border. And it's also kind of upending some history of the unsets. I mean, I guess they plan on making more if they wouldn't just do this for one of them, right? Yeah, I would imagine. I don't think the un- the unset idea is ever going to go away. I don't really know what their usual cadence is because they don't print them every year. But mm. I think uh, the last one was right about the start of the pandemic, right? Because I, I feel like no one got to play it because stores closed, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that was true for Commander Legends, too. So it's like, yeah, right around the same time. So let's dive into some of the quote unquote mechanics. <laughs> and I don't know when they design these cards, they're thinking of inside jokes. You know, they're thinking of things that will make magic players laugh. So there is a whole slew of mechanics from uh, all across every set. There's something called just a second, which is like split second where nothing can be put on the stack while it's on the stack, except just a second means you can't rearrange any cards on your table or cast any spells because I guess you can't tap your lands. So anyway, uh, we're not going to dive into every single like keyworded thing because there's a million of them. But here's some of the overall themes. Stickers. I am so excited about stickers. We have just like outside the gameplay aspect. We now have official magic stickers. Like there's ones of like Liliana and like Gideon and stuff that we could just like have stickers. I'm just going to put these on my PC and like on my on my like laptop and things. It's fun. Yeah, I mean, you're basically thinking about like the emotes in in arena, but like put on actual cards. In oh, there's form. literally an oops one. <laughs> <laughs> so are any good game ones? <laughs> there might have been. I, I, there's there's also tons of them. I think there's like yeah, there 20 or 30 different sticker sheets. Um, and anyway. also different types of stickers. Yeah, which you're yeah. About to get into. Yeah. So anyway, you open sticker sheets in your packs and you take them out almost like they're a token. You don't have to draft them. You just keep whatever you open. Uh, I mean, these are just so fun. Uh, there's a zap one. There's like a chicken hat type thing. Uh, and, and there's a few different types of stickers. They can be name stickers, art stickers, ability stickers, or uh, like power and toughness stickers. Um, and then the name and art ones are always free. As in, if some ability tells you to put a sticker on something, you can always just access the name and art ones. But some of the ones, specifically the ability and the power and toughness ones, uh, these cost tickets. So uh, you have to like pay a a ticket cost. Tickets are kind of like energy uh, where you gain tickets from things. So, for example, something might say uh, a card might say when it enters the battlefield, you gain two tickets. Then you may put a sticker on target permanent you control. So then you don't have to spend those tickets on that sticker, uh, but you can if you want to. So that's just one of the mechanics. <laughs> so, geez. All right. Let me run you through a few sticker things real quick. I love uh, Astro Aquarium. It's two and a blue for an artifact. It's an uncommon. When it ETBs, you may put an art sticker on it. So you don't have to pay anything extra for it. Uh, it has one tap. Until end of turn, target creature becomes a blue shark with base power and toughness 4-4. Not bad. Uh, but then it says, if the cracks in Astro Aquarium's art are completely covered... That creature becomes a blue octopus with base power and toughness 8-8 instead. So the Astro Aquarium, it's like the art. It's almost as if it's an aquarium glass wall. And there's a huge shark and a huge octopus behind it. So if you cover all of it up with art stickers, then you just get (laughs) you get an 8-8. You get to upgrade one of your things into an 8-8 every turn. And that's obviously busted. Yeah, it's it's pretty again, very meta. We've got a lot of these cards just doing like super wacky meta things. I think the goblin's my favorite. There's a go- there's a card that's a common, so you're going to see this like quite a bit. It's a t- it's a 3 mana 2/2 two, two 
goblin guest at common. Um, basically, it doesn't have a name. It's just like a blank and then goblin. And when it ETBs, you put a name sticker on it and then you get mana back for every vowel in the sticker that you put on it. I will say there is a wombo combo with this unnamed goblin in the set. You may have noticed that there is a mind name sticker. Uh, this is a, a PG-13 show, so uh, I'm not, I'll let the other people fill in the blanks. Anyway, next up, we've got attractions. Uh, these ones have to be left in the pack and drafted. You can only use the ones that you draft. And you can use as many as you get. There's no limit to how many, at least in, uh, in, in uh, draft and limited. So I think some of these are actually constructed legal, which is just nuts. Uh, because there's like rules for constructed. I think in constructed, you have to have at least 10 in a deck. And they have to be entirely unique. Like you can't have any repeats. But in limited, um, it's just like how limited ignores the four copies rule. Uh, you can play as many as you get. So these are, these are a little strange. You put them in a different deck. Like you have an attractions deck that would like start next to your normal deck. Uh, certain cards tell you to open an attraction. Then at the start of your main phase, you roll a D6. And whatever the result of your D6 is, say you roll a three, any active attractions, ones that have been opened, which are flipped over and put on the battlefield, any ones that are opened, you visit. Uh, if they have a lit up number that corresponds with the D6 that you rolled. So uh, something else that I noticed is that there are different versions of these cards. There's like four different versions of each of the commons and each have different combinations of lit up numbers. I don't think it really makes a big deal, I guess, to create some variance in case like you and your opponent both have the same one. So like some of you are rooting for one number and then others are rooting for another number. I don't really know. Uh, it's also really going to make it hard for the sorting folks over at TCG Player and Cardsphere and, and anyone who, who sorts by uh, types because now there's four types of card called a Clown Extruder, for example. And then some of these, uh, I mean, they're artifacts, so I assume you can use normal removal on them. And some are destroyed as part of their abilities resolving. And they, if they do, they go to the junkyard, which is the graveyard for attraction spells. Okay. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's that's notable, though, because like that means that um, there really isn't I suppose there are probably cards unless there's a ruling on this already. But like cards that say like tuck an artifact, like put an artifact back into your deck. Does it have to go back into the attraction deck or does it go back into your actual main deck? Oh, God. The junkyard <laughs> thing gets a, gets away from like anything that reanim or like, you know, return target artifact from your graveyard to the battlefield. You don't get to do that because they're not in the graveyard. But that's true. Yeah, I don't really know what happens when one of these things changes zones like that. Like, what if you... I guess if you flicker, it's fine. It is just an artifact. I don't know. <clears throat> so let's just run through a few of these real quick. Uh, Clown Extruder. Uh, it is a common. It lights up for five and six. Visit, create a 1-1 one, one white clown robot artifact creature token. And then <laughs> the flavor text says, congratulations, it is a clown. <laughs> just so stupid. I love it. Uh, this is like fine i guess so like you have to activate you have to get this on the battlefield you have to open this attraction and then once out of every three turns or so you'll get a free one one if the game goes long you know that's pretty good yeah and and again they are like based on your roles so potentially this does nothing ever <laughs> yeah um i will also notice because it's not obvious they are mana free like they don't have mana values mm. Yeah. Um, you you typically will have to play a card or get an effect from a card that says open an attraction and then and then you just flip them over from the attraction deck. Um, there are some really strange ones. So just mm -hmm. keep an eye out on these. You do have to draft them again. So, you know, maybe think about that, I guess, as you're you're drafting. Like, do you how, how do you prioritize these? I see these as the sagas of the set as like recurring value engines. 
but there's no like color consideration or anything like that because you, you put them in a different deck. You don't have to cast. I guess you want to look at like, which like, do you take these before you have cards that open attractions? Yeah. I think you take these really highly. I think you, you, you want a good balance of like, you don't want to spend too many because like you said, these are kind of behind that open paywall, but there's a lot of commons that say open an attraction. And I think these are going to get snapped up very quickly. Plus if you open like, if you have like five cards in your deck that say open an attraction and you only have two attractions in your attraction deck, That's then those true. things just, they don't get any value when they ETB. So I, I, I would say prioritize getting like maybe four or five of these. Uh, plus everyone else is going to want them. And I have a funny feeling that these are going to be better than they seem. Also, it's an unset. There's cards that say you can like add or subtract one from a die roll to, to like yeah. basically fix it. Um I think you're going to have a little more flexibility over triggering these than, than it looks. Yeah, I think that's fair. And also like the rare and, and I think there are a couple of mythic ones are like absurd in what they do. Oh, let's talk about storybook ride. So this is a rare, <laughs> it's, it's got some, uh, Eldraine themed, uh, art with the, the gingerbread people from the, the original trailer, which is funny. Uh, it also has a giant elk standing on top of the entire thing. <laughs> um, and the flavor text, I'll just tell you right now. It says, the ride is whimsical and fun, except when it's broken. <laughs> wow. Eldrain in a sentence. These people, they know their own game. Uh, anyway, to visit, exile the top X cards of your library, where X is the number of attractions you've visited this turn, including this one. So if you visit like three attractions, you exile the top three. You may play those cards this turn. At the beginning of the next end step, if any of those cards remain exiled, put them on the bottom of your library in any order. So... That's really good card advantage. You're just getting, I don't know, like a free draw two or draw three every turn and they don't even stay exiled. These just cycle back through your library. This is a yeah. really powerful card. Yeah, that's pretty ridiculous. And it, the, at least the the copy of the one we're looking at in the show notes is triggered on a roll of two, five or six. So you, it's like a 50-50 shot that it actually triggers when you yeah. when you visit. So um, that's, you know, that's not, no, that's not nothing. Um, it also just like the way this is templated and worded implies that it shouldn't be too difficult. It is a rare, but it shouldn't be too difficult to get to visit or open multiple attractions a turn. Mm, and yeah. actually this is visited a turn, not, not opened. So if you have more than one open uh, at a time, I assume all the visit triggers go on the stack. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it checks to see if you rolled and I think you only visit because it's templated like an activated or a triggered ability rather. I think it's only a visit if you rolled that number. So yeah, okay. for example, I think they're all lit up for six, but everything else varies. Um, do you roll, another, but do you roll once or do you roll once per open attraction? I believe you just roll once at the beginning of your main phase. Okay. So that's why okay. maybe getting cards that affect your die rolls could be good. Sure. Here's another good payoff for you. Gallery of legends, another rare, uh, we have what looks like Micaeus, and oh, I'm not sure who that is in the background. Is that Rada, maybe? I'm not sure. The front person is definitely Micaeus. Or is that like Avatar of Woe or something? I don't know. It looks awfully familiar. Someone check us on that. Anyway, uh, it says visit exile cards in the top of your library until you exile a non-land card. Then choose a legendary creature card with the same mana value as that card. Create a token that's a copy of the card with the chosen name. That token gains haste. Exile at the beginning of the next end step. Wow. So I guess you just want to you want to memorize a bunch of legendary creatures with awesome ETBs. And then yeah, I mean, I guess technically you don't have to memorize it. Like there's nothing on the card that says you can't just like look up a, a name or something. But 
Yeah. Oh, Scryfall and Gather are going to get a bunch of search hits <laughs> on, on Friday. Uh, this one triggers on three and six, so a little bit harder, but clearly a strong payoff. All right. So if those cards haven't like already just signified that things are just super wacky in this set. There are also a bunch of nonsense that aren't really mechanics, but are things that are going to be happening or like that the set cares about that we wanted to just quickly, quickly highlight card flipping. There's literally a video on how to do this. Um, it's, it's like jumping cards, but it's basically just doing like flip cup, but with cards. And there is a video to that in our discord. Did you see that there's a rare that you use 10 cards from outside the game as throwing knives and you stand like a foot away <laughs> and you have to throw 10 cards at the battlefield. And it, I think it deals one and you gain one for every like card you threw that's touching one of your opponent's things. That's incredible. I didn't didn't see that. Uh, OK, I guess I need to bring some extra random cards that I don't care about. Getting picked <laughs> up. Yeah. Um, one other thing that, that the set cares about in some capacity is clothing. Like literally some cards interact with the, based on, they do things based on what you're wearing hats as well as another one that's very specifically called out in some of the cards, number of vowels or letters and given titles or those stickers that we, we talked about. Um, the art on cards matters. We mentioned the, uh, Astro Aquarium. There are a few others that do that pie eating, or I think really just food eating, but like. <laughs> gobbling for, for, specifically yeah for um for flavor purposes pie is the correct thing to be eating in that case and then also talking to other people there's like literally a call a card called phone a friend where you actually yeah. actually have to call somebody oh that reminds me there's also a few i think there's a cycle that cares about things you can see from where you sit so there's there's a card that like i think it's a red removal spell that deals damage to something equal to the number of like exposed sockets you can see from your seat that's incredible. Uh, it, it's something stupid like that uh, there's also one that cares about like you hiding cards throughout the course of the game yeah <laughs> yeah so let's just briefly run through the signposts we're not going to do like a full like format breakdown on these but this might give us at least a clue as to what each color is trying to do so first up we have angelic herald and that might sound like just like a, a herald of an angel, but it's a guy named Harold, I think, <laughs> and, uh, who happens to be angelic. Uh, they are this, spelled differently. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is one white blue for a 2-2 angel performer. And these are all going to be legendary creatures at Uncommon. It's a 2-2 uh, flyer. When it enters the battlefield, you may put a sticker on non-land permanent you control. A name Each sticker creature, specifically. Oh, yeah. Let me just run that back. When Angelic Herald enters the battlefield, you may put a name sticker on a non-land permanent you control. Each creature you control with three or more words in its name gets plus one, plus one. Sure. Okay. Why not? I, I guess there might flyer be some... Ward, uh, Lord, rather? Yeah, honestly, this is pretty good for little flyers, right? If you have like a two-word flyer, put a name sticker on it. It's a 3-3 three, three flyer, like... Well, it works with itself. So, like, it's a two-name... Uh, like, it has two words in its name. You put a sticker on it, and it... Oh, yeah. Three, so it just automatically comes in as like a 3-3 three, three flyer if you want it, or you could lord it around to other things. Cool little design. Next up, DK, Finder of the Lost. One blue-black for one four zombie employee, which is, you know, aren't they all? <laughs> and she works in the Lost and Found, so there's that. Uh, when DK enters the battlefield, open an attraction. So there you go. Whenever you roll a two, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Whenever you roll a four, you may tap or untap target artifact or creature. Whenever you roll a six, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. It's pretty good. Yeah, good blocker too. And I would also just throw out there, the way this card is worded implies that you're rolling for opening an attraction. But it just says when you roll that thing. So any card that makes you roll a die is going to be benefited by DK here. I believe she's holding a skull saucer from the last unset, which if I remember right, 
was something like a 4-1 or a 5-1 that you had to put your head onto the table and like and when you removed your head from the table you, you had to sacrifice it. It was like a like a fireball type thing. I don't know. It was stupid. Next up, Monoxa Midway Manager. So we had we have another employee here. Two black red for a 3-3 vampire employee. Whenever you roll a three or higher, Monoxa Midway Manager gains first strike until end of turn. If the roll was four or higher, it gains menace until end of turn. If the roll was five or higher, it gains lifelink until end of turn. And then you can pay six to roll a six-sided die. That's, uh, I mean, that's good. If you wind up with a 3-3 three, three first strike menace lifelink, that's that's really strong. Yeah, I don't know if I want to spend six mana to like give a creature menace, but that's fine. Yeah, it definitely can whiff. I think this is a payoff for having a lot of attractions. Maybe black is like the attraction color. Yeah, I mean, again, this also, like you put the two of these cards, DK and Monoxa together, and then like when you're rolling a four, you're giving her menace and then also tapping or untapping an artifact or something. So you're like, you're getting extra benefits there too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next up, we have the Space Family Goblinson. Okay, and this is two red-green for a 1-1 Goblin Guest. Uh, the Space Family Goblinson has Trample as long as you've rolled three or more dice this turn. So uh, there, there's some, I guess, with a with a, a mere 18 mana, <laughs> Monoxa can make that happen. Uh, whenever you roll a die, put a plus one, plus one counter on the Space Family Goblinson. I wish I could put this in my Chaos deck. Yeah, yeah, it would actually be really, really strong. It would be really good there. <laughs> you know, this almost implies that you do roll for each attraction. Maybe we'll have to double check that. It almost seems like if you had like three attractions, then it would automatically get a uh, counter. I don't know. I have to say, I don't envy the store employees who are going to have to explain all this random stuff to people when they start the, the, you know, the draft or whatever. So next up we've got Tuscan whiskers. This is three green white for uh, an elephant mouse performer. Hmm. (laughs) It's a four, four. So five mana, four, four. Whenever you put an ability sticker on a creature, put a plus one, plus one counter on that creature. And then you can pay two green, white, tap it. You get a ticket. You may put a sticker on a non-land permanent you own. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, so maybe like green white is trying to do its usual thing and buff smaller creatures. I mean, it's putting counters on things and it cares about ability stickers. And those do cost a little bit more, but Tuscan Whiskers helps to pay for it. Four mana for a tap ability. That's, uh, but it is repeatable and it lets you just throw stickers around. I don't know. Maybe this is like a long game grindy engine. The next one too. Sure. Next up is Brim's Barone Midway Mobster. It's three white black for a five four human rogue. When Brim's Barone Midway Mobster enters the battlefield, put a plus one plus one counter on each other creature you control that has a hat. <laughs> Brim's Barone Midway Mobster has menace as long as you're wearing a hat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's awesome. Uh, the according to the flavor text, the capo of caps. The hitman of hats, the don of donning fashionable headwear. <laughs> uh, make sure you bring a hat to this one, I guess. Uh, I mean, you just really have to just. Are you going to be like pack one, pick one in this, and then looking at every single card you draft to, to double check if it has a hat? I, I, it has to make everything that has a hat go up in value. Yeah. And then uh, there's some hat stickers too. So if you put a sticker, like a hat sticker on one of your creatures, it's wearing a hat. Yeah. Notably, this is an ETB effect. So you're only getting the trigger once, but. Mm. Still, still fun. Next up, we've got Spinneret Arachnobat. Fun. Three black green for a 2-4 reach. Ooh, understated. Uh, but when Spinneret enters the battlefield, open an attraction. As long as you control three more attractions, Spinneret gets plus 2, plus 0, and has Menace. Eh, doesn't seem as strong or grindy as some of the other ones. Maybe opening attractions is just that good. It could be. Flavor text on this card is high wire injuries are down 95%. Spider-related injuries are up 3,000%. <laughs> 
Oh, you, you want to say this next one? Yeah. Next up, we've got Ambassador Blurpity Blurp Boop. <laughs> oh, God. Three, three green blue for an alien advisor guest. It's a 3-3. Three, three. When inv- Ambassador Blurpity Blurp Boop enters the battlefield, you get three tickets. Then you may put a sticker on a non-land permanent you own. At the beginning of each combat, you may have Ambassador Blurpity Blurp Boop. Base power and toughness become equal to the total power and toughness of all stickers on permanents you control. <laughs> Okay, so okay, so it's a huge stat beast is what I'm getting. So if you put on like a bunch of stat stickers, if you put on like three stat stickers, it gets so big. It just it, gets it turns into like a like a fifteen fifteen or something. Yeah. All right, classic blue green card, just ETB <laughs> value, and then a massive beater next. That name though. Oh my goodness. Oh, it's gonna suck when I say, uh, yeah, I I I attack and kill you with blurpity blur poop. <laughs> No, that's how you do it. You're like, you, and you get, you're just, you're booping them, you know, <laughs> get, get booped. Uh, next up is Roxy publicist to the stars. This is two blue red for a star four appropriate. It's a human employee. It is flying Roxy published to the stars. Power is equal to the number of permanents you control with an art sticker plus the number of cards in your graveyard with an art sticker. Okay. And when Roxy enters the battlefield, distribute up to two art stickers among one or two non-land permanents you own. So blue and green, I'm definitely seeing like a sticker theme, uh, kind of the, the Abzan colors. I'm seeing more of uh, the attractions theme. I guess like maybe even Sultai ish. Yeah. Our next card also shows that red has something of a robot sub theme. <laughs> My God, this is good. Pietra crafter of clowns is one red white for a three, two haste. That's a, actually a pretty solid rate. Uh, she's a human clown artificer and she looks like she's having a grand old time. Uh, Haste, robots you control get plus one plus one, and she has red white tap. Tell a joke to <laughs> tell a joke you haven't told this game to someone outside of the game. That's part of the cost, not the effect. <laughs> oh wow, wait, you're right. That's nuts. So you have to pay red white tap and then tell a joke to someone you haven't told. Create a one-one white clown robot artifact creature token. If that person laughs, the token gains haste instead of turn. <laughs> it's a good thing it doesn't like not give you the token if they didn't laugh. Yeah, again, also you have to tell a joke to someone outside the game. Your opponent doesn't count. So you need to go find some, get up from the table, go find somebody who's <laughs> not in your game. Tell them a joke you haven't already told them as part of the activated cost <laughs> to even use this ability. We should mention like the whole talking to other people. Sometimes you can interact with other unset games. Like there's a mythic in black that lets everyone that's playing an ungame bid life and then the winner gets like a copy of the creature that was in the graveyard or something. It, it, it's so fun. Okay. The section we've all been waiting for. How to spike Infinity. Uh, this is the optimal play section. We're just going to run you quickly through all the things that you need to know or bring uh, bef- before you go. And you can look up the cards on your own. We don't really want to give too much away. Because these cards are just really fun to look at, especially for people that play Magic and, and get the jokes. But uh, here's a quick list of everything you need to know, bring, or do to be ready to spike your Infinity Tournament. First of all, you're going to need to memorize every single instant in sorcery, legal and standard, with mana value 3 or less. <laughs> <laughs> it's not uh, a joke. It's not a joke. <laughs> uh, how many do you think we could name right now? There's a... Uh, Dude, I don't know what's is, legal and standard. I don't even know what sets are legal. Is option standard still? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, oh, oh, uh, fate, fateful, the, the white one, uh, the kill spell, I don't know. whatever. I know like Dominary United cards. 
and maybe like <laughs> the last two or three sets. Uh, I'm just hoping not to play a card. That, needs to do. <laughs> that one's a mythic, so maybe you won't get lucky. Uh, I recommend practicing balancing cards on your head and your hands. Bring a hat, obviously. Uh, we should mention the, the one card hat trick. Uh, there's a mechanic that needs some clearing up here because it's not actually listed on the card. Hat trick is one of the white for an instant at common. Target blocking or blocked creature you control gets plus one, plus one, and gains first strike until end of term. If it has a hat, it gains double strike until end of turn. If you and the creature have a hat, that creature gains triple strike until end of turn. <laughs> and for those that don't know, triple strike is a recurring joke. It deals first strike damage, normal damage, and last strike damage. Uh, and if a creature were to just have last strike, it would be functionally as if every other thing had first strike. It deals damage yeah. after combat damage too. <laughs> So be sure to also bring a bunch of extra clown robot tokens that you, if you can get your hands on them ahead of time, uh, you're going to need them. <laughs> the, those are the ones you can hide under uh, <laughs> under people's stuff for a surprise party. Yeah, yeah. Keep an eye on those just sitting around tables and such. Yeah. Um, you also want to bring a funny spare object and anything really. Just, yeah, do that. Uh, you know, actually, I guess my my pie doubles as that. If I don't sure end does. up eating it, I could animate it. <laughs> Yeah, animate object as a card. So, you know, bring bring something like that. You definitely will need some convincing bluffs. Cards like bluff or fish <laughs> imply such. Um, let you figure that out for yourselves. Uh, uh, you will yeah. need access to a mobile device for your camera and also to potentially call people if you open phone a friend. I recommend bringing a spare pack of a busted magic set in case you get really lucky and, and crack an opening ceremony in which you get to open a pack of cards and then hopefully cast the card from the pack. Yeah. So you bought us both alpha packs, right? Yeah, I, I, uh, <laughs> I did actually just sell my, my kidneys. So. <laughs> and then like 50 more kidneys. Um, anyway, bring like a pie or a snack for, for gobbling. Uh, bring a bunch of small, unique items. Tchotchke Elemental requires them. Uh, bring a pen for both signing the autograph book uh, or for drawing, uh, as some of the cards require you to do. Okay, now, well, before we move on to that, I, I just want to read because, A, longtime fans of the show know I'm an Approach of the Second Sun fan. There is a card <laughs> in this set that I, I feel I need to read out loud because okay, it is okay. so ridiculous. Go nuts. It's called Form of the Approach of the Second Sun. <laughs> now, if you've been playing for a long time, you've heard of these form cards. They were actually printed in real sets. Form of the Dragon is one that I actually played in a commander deck for quite a, time, quite yeah, a while. Form of the Dinosaur, too, was fun. But anyway, form of the form of the approach of the second sun is four and a white for a rare enchantment. It says when this enchantment enters the battlefield, you gain seven life. You become a card <laughs> until you until you leave your library or that library is shuffled. Put yourself seventh from the top, balancing the cards on top of your head. When you draw yourself, you win the game. When one or more cards fall off your head, exile them and all cards on your head, then sacrifice this enchantment. That, this is probably the most you card in the set, and it, this is the card that I hope you get to play the most. Me too. I'm, <laughs> I'm probably going to exile it more than I win the game off of it, but I need <laughs> to play this card. You know, actually, this this does, if we're going to really spike, you probably should bring a hat with either a flat brim upon which you can balance cards or like a beanie that doesn't have like a pom-pom on top so that you can like balance them on the top of like a flat section. Yeah, I wonder if you'd get compl- I mean it's where I'm looking at this from like a pre-release perspective where mm-hmm. it's, you know, a little bit lower. I mean all of these drafts should be low stakes, but I wonder if you'd get complaints because the brim is not actually on your head, it's like in front of your head, but Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so the greatest show in the multiverse, it's a 7 mana colorless saga. 
it just has a really weird looking frame, I guess, because it's a colorless saga. Um, as an additional cost to cast a spell, exile five instant and or sorcery cards you own with the same artist and different names from outside the game. Now, it's obviously unreasonable to assume you would open enough of those in limited, right? Like you can just bring ones from your personal collection. It's got to be. Yeah. Uh, which also implies that other ones that require like cards outside the game just bring stuff from your collection. Uh, you can choose one of the exiled cards at random for then you may cast it without paying its mana cost. That's all three chapters. So I don't know who's what like what artist has the best instants and sorcery spells, but I don't know. How about Mind's Dilation? That's an instant or a sorcery, right? I think it's a sorcery. Yeah. Yeah. And actually just to clarify that I'm not, I'm not sure what the ruling on the outside the game thing is for those who don't know, uh, typically cards in, in real sets, not unsets that say you could do something with cards outside the game, something like through the breach outside the game, that clause really refers to your sideboard. And in Mm -hmm. limited, when you're drafting your sideboard is everything that is in your pool that is not in your deck. I don't know if this is still referring to that because it's an unset. I, I don't know. So if you wind up with a park map in your deck, it says one artifact. Uh, it's a common. You can pay one sacrifice park map. Search your library for a land card that doesn't have the same art as a permanent you control. Reveal it. Put it into your hand. Then shuffle. Oh my god, dude! We, of course, we have our like our draft basics in our like our draft kit. This actually pays you off for using mismatched basics from like the land bin. <laughs> yep. Ugh. Whatever. Uh, I'll, I'll stoop to that level, I guess, if I have to play it. Uh, also, you can wear some official magic merch. There's some cards that pay you off for that. And then finally, uh, there's a card that requires you to have a fun top. Specifically, it's called the big top. It's a land. It's an uncommon. It says tap, add one mana of any color that appears on your top. And then reminder text, a top is an outerwear garment worn on the upper body. So you're going to want to make sure your shirt or jacket or scarf or something else has all five colors of Wooberg on it. Do we know any merchandise that has all five colors of Wooberg on it, Zach? I'm not sure, but if I were to go on a hunch, I would check out shop.drafthaft.com and see what's, <laughs> what's available there. I will be wearing a black Lotus t-shirt with a draft shop hoodie on top, and I have all five colors covered. Uh, and then if someone, if I somehow get put into my library for form of the approach of the second sun, I can crack myself for three mana before the ability resolves, I think. There you go. Okay, really quickly... There's some universes beyond stuff and the title to infinity and beyond was just too fun. So we got to talk about it real quick here. Uh, Transformers are coming in brothers war. Do you care at all about this? Wait there. I'm confused. They're part of the brothers war set. So they seem almost like mystical archives where they're going to be kind of like placed in the set or maybe they're just like in the alt art, like boosters. Maybe. Oh no, I'm thinking the other one, the mystical archive one. That's like the, uh, like the, the old, uh, like schematic, uh, print right, cards. Right, right. I think the Transformers, there's probably going to be like a secret layer of them, but I think these are also just going to be stuck into random packs and things. I don't know. I, I was never a big Transformers guy, so it, I wouldn't, it's fine. I don't, I don't necessarily mind them as like alt arts or something like they did with like the Godzilla stuff. Yeah. I don't think I'd be a huge fan if there were just random Transformers cards in the middle of a Brothers War pack that weren't otherwise actual magic cards. I don't know. That would rub me wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, Assassin's Creed. It looks like it's getting either a secret layer or some other kind of insert. So it's kind of cool. Fun. Yeah, I never loved the games, but there's definitely a fan base for it. Yeah, the first couple were cool. I haven't touched it since like Assassin's Creed 2 or 3. So, And then Final Fantasy. This is the, probably the most interesting crossover they've done so far. There's a very uh, big and vocal fan base. Games are pretty sweet. Like, uh, not my favorite thing in the world, but if every once in a while they just 
make some kind of secret layer that really appeals to a niche subculture of nerds, it's going to land on me every once in a while, too. Like the, the, the Lord of the Rings one. Oh, my God. It's going to be so sick. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not even mad. You know, if people want to buy it, they can buy it. If people don't, they don't. I guess where it gets weird is if, again, you are playing in a legacy tournament and then all of a sudden your opponent casts Starscream and you're like, what is this? Do I have cyborg tech against this? Like this isn't. An, an <laughs> yeah. Then it gets a little, a little hairy, but uh, I don't know. But let's talk about the real, the real eye roller. Right. So a lot of you know that this is Magic's 30th year and they're doing this big like 30th anniversary event. We had talked about it a few times on the show, potentially going. We're, we're not actually going to be there. So uh, sorry if you bought tickets expecting to find us, but we won't be there. Um, the biggest kind of elephant in the room, though, is that they they started their they just put out an article and they started the article off with like, hey, we're putting these we're reprinting a bunch of cards that are really cool. And their cards like Black Lotus, a bunch of the power, like true duels, some really, really powerful cards. And then they said because of the reserve list, they're not going to be tournament legal. They have like a different back that's not the traditional magic back. And that's all great and cool and fine, you know, whatever, cool. Like that's yeah, that's stuff. awesome. Of that's, that yeah, that's really fun. Like proxies for people that want them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's I think it's great. Then they said that they're going to show up in packs, which is like, OK, I guess like I'm going to have to do the still like the RNG thing to get the ones I want if I'm going to not just buy the singles, but then they're proxies. So why would I buy the proxies? OK, sure. I guess that that's fine. But like, OK, what are they going to charge? Like, you know, 20 bucks a pack or something because this is like fancy $50 a pack. It's a thousand dollars for four packs <laughs> and you can't buy them individually. So like you can't buy a single pack for 250 bucks. You have to spend a thousand dollars to get four packs of this. And you could just open four copies of like animate wall. Like it's a, it's still a magic. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's the thing. This is a fantastic idea. I want to say that the people behind the idea were not the people behind the pricing. And I hope that the backlash is enough. They can fix this. If they bump they this down, <laughs> they won't fix it. They don't care because here's the yeah. thing. This is, this is just strictly alienating players. This is not targeted at like, actually, I, I guarantee you when they were thinking about this, they're like, we'll make like, they're probably going to make a lot more sales than I'm going to give them credit for. But they're probably, they're probably like, yeah. like, this is something that collectors want. They're none of these cards are tournament legal. They're literally all proxies. You can't play them in any of this, the formats that the actual cards themselves are legal in. They're just expensive proxies. Mm-hmm. Collectors will want them. Some people who don't even play the game, who are just like, they will literally never do this again. It's the 30th anniversary edition. It's very, very rare. Sure, I'll shell out a thousand bucks and probably not even open the packs, right? Like they'll just buy yeah. it, keep it all sealed up. It's nice collector's item. Great. That's what hurts the most. Like they're not even get to like play the cards, and it, like it, this would be so perfect for like having a wizard sanctioned official like Black Lotus proxy that you could just put in a random deck, or like if you're playing like casual like kitchen table with your friends, like it'd be so sick to just go out. Maybe yeah, you splurge, you get like a fifty dollar pack, and you happen to crack the coolest card of all time. It's proxied. The the like legacy people they won't get all in a huff about it. Uh, the reserve list nerds <laughs> won't come with pitchforks, and I don't know. Th- th- this is just insulting, you know, because this is supposed to be the 30th anniversary for like for the players that really love the game, and they started with we're reprinting Black Lotus. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> And then they somehow managed to turn that into a bad announcement that they're reprinting Black Lotus and the power. Like, come yeah. on. 
Yeah, that's almost certainly how that went. Like somebody was like, hey, it's a 30th anniversary. Let's go big. Why don't we like reprint the Power 9 and a bunch of like Trudels and stuff and we'll just make them proxies so we don't interact with any any legal tournaments or whatever. Yeah. And some random guy from corporate was like, oh my <laughs> God, we can charge thousands of dollars for that. Yeah, People yeah. Like, this wasn't Gavin Berry's doing. I, I, this wasn't Mark Rosewater's doing. Like this, it's just disappointing. Uh, I believe Saffron Olive tweeted a picture of a... Uh, uh, like a screenshot from from Amazon of like a four hundred dollar printer and like a hundred dollars worth of ink and just nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like you can just make or buy proxies on eBay that other people are making for way way less money than this. If you want proxies, so you don't you don't you don't buy these to get like proxies of those cards. This is literally just a collector's item that some people who are like I guess swimming in cash and have like high disposable income and just pay like their hobby is collecting like magic memorabilia or something. Mm -hmm. They'll put their money into this instead of paying a thousand dollars for like a modern deck or something. So there were some bright spots within this trash heap of an announcement. Uh, Shadows over Innistrad remastered is coming to arena. Sick. Shadows was one of the first sets that I started really drafting, drafting uh, back in at the Rutgers Magic Club in college. And I, I have good memories of getting absolutely destroyed and then slowly getting less and less destroyed in Shadows of Rinistrad, as I learned. Um, there's Grimflayer, Lily Last Hope, Spell Queller for Zach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, probably Little Emrakul, you know, um, the, the gain control of target opponent. That'll be fun on Arena, right? Yeah, I really wonder how they're going to make that work from a UI perspective. Like, does your whole screen flip around so you can see their hands? Or, like, <laughs> does it just go into, like, a really weird, big, clunky, revealed zone or something? I don't know. Who knows? We're also getting a uh, another, uh, I think it's Explorer uh, Horizons 2. So that'll bring with it a lot of the, the stuff that we didn't get so far, making Explorer even closer to Pioneer. We'll probably get a, a bunch of the cards that we're missing right now. Things that'll, oh, God, I, we better get... Um, Monastery Swift Spear. If we don't, I'll be pretty sad. Red White has been crushing it. The Red White Heroic deck. I've absolutely loved draft uh, playing with it online. Haven't gotten to play it in person yet. It's because Pioneer fires on the same night as draft in my local game store. So it's like, you know, given the option. Speaking of local game store, uh, Zach, what's going on over at the local game store? Well, man, uh, you know, this was pretty much a ridiculous night. We went to get dinner and ended up, what, 10 minutes late to the draft and uh, didn't really get to do that. Uh, so we're eating it during deck building. It was a little bit ridiculous. Yeah, it's been a great time. I've eaten a whole pie. I'm hoping to eat one more in the last round. And uh, I got to stand up in front of the whole local game store, yell a bunch of random stuff. So it's always a good time. So, uh... Tell us, what's your question? My question, since we're playing Unfinity today, is what's your favorite sticker? Thanks, Todd. So, uh, favorite sticker so far? I really do like the Liliana one. It's just cute. It's like a little plushy. There's a Gideon one that has, it's got like X's over the eyes because Gids died, I guess. Uh, I don't know, but the Liliana horn uh, like kind of headpiece is pretty good, too. What do you think? Yeah, definitely Gideon is, is, is my favorite. I think that's just too on the nose to not be... So, uh, yeah, we're here at Bearded Dragon. We've got a, a couple of fans here. And uh, so, tell us, you're, you're in the Discord. So, what is your username in the Discord? Ratafia. Right, so Ratafia joined a little while ago. He's one of the few people here who's destroyed both Ben and I with Boros, <laughs> aggro, and different formats. Wait, what's your take on Infinity? On Infinity? Yeah. It's ridiculously fun. You can pick up anything you want out of it. All of the uncommons tell you what it does. Draft what looks good. 